This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon. We just want to thank you, both Martha and I want to thank you for tuning in. We get we got such incredible, encouraging notes yesterday from several different listeners, and we're just so grateful that you're that you're tuning in. Whether you're all over Tampa Bay or all over Jacksonville in the first coast of St. Augustine and Folkestone, Georgia, or how about the Tidewater, Virginia? But that's not what they said. You Benson uh, something hills. Oh, Hampton Road. Hampton Road. That's what Hampton Road. Hampton part Roads. Of, Hampton Hampton Roads. We're part learning, of Virginia. guys. We were told we need to Virginia. come then visit. Somebody told us Tidewater, Virginia. Now it's called the Hampton Roads part of Virginia. You guys that's know who updated. you are. That's we're, current. We're just grateful that you're tuning in. Yes. And we heard from a listener that was traveling between Jacksonville and listening to us and and coastal Virginia Tidewater Hampton Roads, and uh, it was exciting. <laughs> anyway, want to thank you guys for tuning in. That's right. So we just, we appreciate you guys so much for listening. And one of the things that I just really want to encourage you is to um, check out on our website, iworkforhim.com and look at the um, I Work For Him Nation Covenant. This is something that really is the heart of what we talk about every day and encouraging our listeners to um, take serious this opportunity and challenge to pray for their um, coworkers and employees and really just make a commitment in the workplace of how you can live it out for Jesus Christ. So take a look at it, read through it, and consider for yourself becoming a member of the nation and uh, join just this uh, deeper um, change that's happening across our country and around the world, Jim. We have nation members in like 12 or 13 different countries right now. So pretty fun. It's, it's just all about living with intentionality as you live out your faith and your work by praying, by sharing, by caring for people that you work alongside. Check it out online, iworkforhim.com. Click on the I Work For Him Nation flag. You know, it's not very often that I get interview suggestions to the same person twice on the same day, but that happened about four weeks ago. Oz Hillman recommended that I talk with Roy Goble about his book, brand new book, Salvaged Leadership Lessons Pulled From the Junkyard. Well, that's any author recommendation from Oz Hillman is honor. As many of you listen to the show know that Oz Hillman was a very big key in my life, his devotionals, in just helping me understand how my faith and my work should be intricately connected. But then about an hour later, California time, I got a personal note from Mark Roberts. He's the executive director at the Max Dupree Center for Leadership at Fuller Seminary. Mark's been on the show before, and he felt, he said, Jim, you ought to read this book. You ought to check this out. So I started hearing God's voice echoing in my head, and I started to pay attention. Okay, you're going to love this conversation today, listeners, as we have Roy Goble on the line, who actually wrote this book, Salvaged, Leadership Lessons Pulled from the Junkyard. And But I also said, hey, Mark Roberts, if you're going to make a suggestion and, and, and say that somebody should be on iWork for him, well, then you got to join with him. So today we've got Mark Roberts. He's the executive director at the Max Dupree Center for Leadership there at Fuller Seminary in California. And we got Roy Goble. He's written this great book, Salvaged. Roy and Mark, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks. Great to be here. Jim. Thanks. Martha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Mark Roberts, just tell me, I, I just, I just from your heart, as you lead the Max Dupree Center for Leadership there, in, in it's which part of California is it in? Uh, we're in Southern California in the Los Angeles area. But I, I just need to say that I was born and spent my first few months of life in Hampton Roads, Virginia. So I just got to weigh in for my roots there that you were just mentioning. 
Excellent. So, so well, we just started broadcasting there just a few weeks ago at 10 p.m. Awesome. every evening. That's right. We're hitting the second shifters and those people that can't sleep at night, so it's fantastic. Well, so, I just want to know, what's the greatest thing that you witnessed in the kingdom in your role as executive director at the Max Dupree Center for Leadership? What's the greatest thing you saw God do last year? That's it. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I'm not going to point to one particular thing, but it's, it's sort of the broader thing. I, I'm continually amazed at how many people I meet are super engaged with the idea that God actually cares about their daily work. I mean, I, I guess I could say in a negative sense, I'm sort of astounded at how many Christians have never really been exposed to that. But positively, uh, so many people, and I'm talking college students, uh, millennials just getting going in their professional life, or people more in my season of life, uh, moving into the third third of life. And there, there is such a great desire uh, among Christian people to live every piece of their life for the Lord. And so I, I just see God opening up hearts to the very kind of thing that you, that you guys are doing. It's being received, it's needed, and God is, is moving uh, across the board, different, as I say, different ages, men and women, different racial ethnic groups, different socioeconomic groups. Uh, people are yearning to know that their work matters, and, and they, they're excited to know how much God cares about it. And I just see God doing an amazing work there. You know, and we love to hear those great reports because we do believe that God has been stirring in the hearts of so many people um, to to find what that great purpose is he has for them in what they do every day. And what you're right, what we talk about here on I Work For Him is helping to get them the resources to make that connection even greater or to learn even more about how um, God has created all of us, our whole life discipleship process. And so this will be a fun conversation today. Well, and it is, Mark, it is challenging when you, it, it, actually, I found it exciting and challenging because for us, we just want to highlight the stories, but we get overwhelmed with how many New stories, new ministries we hear about. There's God is working in every sector of the economy, just like you said, in every section of every state that he's raising up people going, hey, this work thing, it's got to be more than just a job. So, And that's what I love about what you do as the executive director of the Max Dupree Center for Leadership, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I want to get to your, our guest. What was it about Roy Goebel's book, Salvaged, that said, this is a book that thousands should read? Mark Roberts, what was it about that you said... Why this is why he's on the air with us today. Yeah. Well, you, you know, there are a lot of leadership books out there. And, you know, I, I travel a bit, and, you know, in airport uh, bookstores. I got leadership books, leadership books, leadership books. And I sort of want to yawn and say, I can't believe there's another one. So that Salvaged is a leadership book didn't initially, you know, get my pulse going. But when I, I there are two things. Number one, I know Roy. And I know that he's not the guy that's going to waste my time with stuff. So I was counting on that, that this would be valuable. Number two, when I got into the book, I said, you know, this is not your normal leadership book. There are great stories here. There are stories from uh, all different walks of life and especially from literally the junkyard. Uh, Roy grew up working in his father's junkyard. And so there's, there's a new perspective. There are great stories. It draws you in. And then there's a lot of biblical connection. I thought, okay, this is not like all those other books in the in the bookstore. This is this is a different kind of thing. This is going to speak to a lot of people, and I'm excited about this book. 
Roy Goble, we're, well, I'm just grateful you wrote it because it is, it, as Mark just said, it is a very unique leadership book in that it's transparent, it's vulnerable, and it's authentic. And it's not just a bunch of your opinions. It's based on real stories. And you, told, you told tons of stories, which is what makes a leadership book exciting because you actually mention a concept and then you drive it home and then you drove it home with a Jesus perspective on it. Mm. Roy, what we do with every guest before we bring them on and talk about what they're going to talk about. We want to know, how did you become a Jesus follower? Oh, okay. You're throwing me a twist there right off. I love it. No, I didn't. Uh, I told you ahead of time I was going to ask you that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I was fortunate enough to be born into a family where both of my parents loved Christ. And uh, I, I used to joke that I think I came to Christ when I was in my mother's womb. Uh, it's hard for me to remember a time where I wasn't uh, attending church, wasn't following Jesus, wasn't reading Scripture. So I'd say, obviously, at a very young age, and I had the luxury of going to a church that was dynamic and interesting, where the people there took a real interest in me. Um, I had a father that loved me and always told me he loved me. So there was this model of Christ's love for me. And I had a mother who, oh my gosh, she knows Scripture back and forth, and she's 94 today and suffers from dementia. I can take her to any church in the Bay Area, and there will be a woman come up and say, Dee Goble, I was in your Bible study back in 1965. Um, so I, I just was in this rich environment that, that nurtured me in my faith, and I'm so appreciative of that. Hmm. we got two guys from Southern California, Roy Goble. He's written this great book, Leadership Lessons Pulled from the Junkyard, Salvaged is the title, but brought to you by Mark Roberts, one of the friends of I work for him, an incredible ministry, the Max Dupree Center for Leadership out of Fuller Seminary. We're so excited, Mark Roberts, to have you guys back on here. But what's what's the latest and greatest? How can people get connected with what's going on in your Max Dupree Center for Leadership there? Hmm. Well, it, you know, one of the big things we do is we produce resources to help people live their faith in the context of their work. Uh, we also connect people to other resources that we know about, like Roy's book. But we also do a lot of things. We have a, a daily uh, devotion that we email out to over 7,500 people now and lots of other resources. They can get it simply by visiting Dupree, D-E-P-R-E-E, Dupree.org. And that'll open things up and they can find the resources. Most of what we've got on there is uh, available without charge, and so people can investigate, and I'm sure we've got some stuff that'll help your listeners. Mm. And what I love about the fact is this conversation is going to go out there on your website, right? I mean, you're going to send us in a yeah. link and like an email to somebody and say, hey, this is a great oh, yeah. interview we did. Okay, perfect. I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Okay. So why don't you reintroduce Roy Goble, your friend that, that's got this dog Instagram account. Why don't, why don't we reintroduce yeah. <laughs> Roy and, and why you thought Salvage was a book we should talk about today? Yes, yes. So Roy Goble is a lover of a new puppy. That's number one. Number two, he's a great family man, father, husband. Uh, he has a fascinating life story. He grew up working in his father's junkyard and from there went into the real estate and development and a much wider range of things. But there's, there's kind of this grounding in Roy because he grew up, you might say, doing real work with real people. And everything about Roy reflects that. And his absolutely rock solid faith in Christ. So this book is basically Roy taking uh, these, these diverse experiences he, he's had in work and leadership and sort of reading that through the perspective of Scripture and coming up with some amazing stories 
and some amazing learning that we have about what leadership's really all about. So it, I love Roy because of who he is, and, and uh, I, I love the book because it reflects, uh, Jim, you said earlier, it's authentic. This is who Roy is. He's, he's not here to impress us. He's here to really be a friend walking with us as we seek to uh, honor the Lord in our work and our leadership. So, Roy, as you, that was a great setup, and I'm so um, anxious to start this conversation. But, Roy, help us to understand, um, as you were growing, you know, how did you understand and realize that your faith and work would be connected? Mm, yeah, I had the opportunity to work with my dad growing up, and uh, it was a family business in the junkyard. My dad always had this deep commitment to the idea that we were a for-profit ministry. And by that he meant, look, we've got to turn a profit around here. This is a business. We've got to run this thing. But he saw his role as being much more than just a businessman. He was, he was trying to create jobs for people. He was trying to uh, help their kids get through college. Um, and he had this much broader, more holistic approach to business than, than I saw when I was studying business and being mentored by MBAs and, and having the support and encouragement of great business people, but very focused on business. Whereas my dad was very intentional about, I bring my faith to work every day. And he, he loved to say that he never really was successful until he began to do that. Um, so that was a, a core part of my upbringing and my experience with him. So Having this idea I, I got to just interrupt you there. That is such an honor because there are thousands and thousands of people listening to the show today. They're going, man, I wish my dad had lived that out in front of me so that I would have what I would have known. I mean, if, if my dad wasn't a Jesus follower until later on in life, but if I had seen that, that would have saved me so many years of frustration. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I don't take that for granted. I'm so thankful for it. It's one of the reasons I wrote the book, because the book has so many stories about my dad and, and how he lived his life. And I wanted to share that so people could see it. Very, very cool. All right. So let's jump into some of this junkyard wisdom uh, written. This is a book, Salvage, by Roy Goebel. And we got Mark Roberts on from the Dupree, Max Dupree Center for Leadership. These two guys are friends in Southern California, and they brought this book to us today so that we could share this with the audience. Now, this, just for the record, audience, I did. this is one of the books I did not read cover to cover. But I agree with these guys to read about 10 different chapters because we're not going to have enough time to even cover all of them. But let's jump to Chapter 9. You know, that's a great, I really love the lesson that you learned, Roy, in chapter nine. What is, tell us what the story is a little bit and tell us what, what is the danger of desiring popularity when you're a leader? Right. So the story in the background of the book is I was 17 years old. I was working at the wrecking yard, the junkyard, and I had befriended one of our customers who was probably about a decade older than me. And he just seemed completely cool because he had this import-export business and he was traveling to Asia all the time. Um, he came in one day and he asked for uh, credit so that he could buy a part for one of his vehicles. And I, uh, I gave it to him knowing full well it was completely against business policy, family policy, uh, junkyard policy. And unfortunately, I gave him the part. He signed a little thing saying he'd pay me in, you know, um, I don't remember what it was, a month or so. And we never saw him again. And um, the lesson my dad taught me was not that I'd made a bad business decision, even though I had, but that I had given this guy credit because I wanted to be liked. 
I wanted to be popular with him. I wanted him to keep coming in and talking to me and telling stories and making me part of his in-group. Um, and that's just a deadly way to manage people to uh, make decisions and to lead. So the story there, uh, it was a great lesson as I was driving home one day with my dad, and he just said, do you really understand why you did this? And um, it was a great conversation. So that's in the book there. So, you know, one of the things um, that I think is amazing is that you were able to process that. And he asked you the question, you know, do you understand what you did? Because that's really how we learn these lessons. I want to just um, share with our listeners, just so they have a picture, Jim. You said you didn't read every chapter. This is not a huge book. It's, you know, and these chapters, like when you, um, the one that we just talked about, I mean, it's five or six pages long. So um, I want to just encourage our listeners as they are intrigued by the stories that we share today and the lessons that are learned that they can enjoy listening or reading this book for themselves. Junkyardwisdom.com, junkyardwisdom.com. That's junkyardwisdom.com. <laughs> Roy, the, to learn as a manager that popularity is, that's going to cause you serious trouble when you're in leadership and you're worried about popularity all the time. Well, it makes you want to be a politician is what it makes you. <laughs> all right. But, but was Jesus worried about popularity? I don't think so. Um, my reading of scripture shows that he did an awful lot, especially late in his ministry, to upset a lot of people. Uh, the story about the clearing of the temple, um, he didn't seem concerned in the least about upsetting a lot of people in that process. And in doing so, he made room for an opportunity to heal and an opportunity to bring in uh, the poor, bring in the people who were um, uh, neglected or overlooked. So I think he was much more concerned with doing what was right, being just, than he was with being popular. So how does that apply to us being leaders and managers and supervisors in, in our organizations or in our communities? How does that, how does that all connect? Yeah, there's an opportunity for us to both be truthful but gentle, and that's the model Jesus gives us. I think we have to be truthful, uh, but we, it doesn't mean we have to be harsh. It doesn't mean we have to be mean. It, you know, the, the clearing of the temple is sort of a high-end extreme <laughs> of going out of your way to be unpopular, it seems like. Uh, and none of us are going to be clearing a temple anytime soon. We'll leave that to the Son of God. But for, for us, we do have to speak truth into people's lives, right. and we have to do so with a sense of mercy and a sense of gentleness. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I started giggling because I looked at the next chapter I went to, and, and Jim Collins called me and said, hey, what's the deal with this Roy Goble attacking one of my greatest principles ever in good to great? <laughs> so he, he, was, he, was, he took offense to it, um, and he said he was going to – I told him I'd give you his phone number. So, um, all right, what is the danger – of always focusing on getting the right people on the bus. Uh, yeah, well, sometimes I think God puts the wrong people on the bus for us to have an opportunity to minister to them. You know, the truth is, you're never going to have a bus full of all-stars. The old uh, business axiom, you know, get the right people on the bus and then you can succeed. I don't disagree with that. I think it's a fantastic image and a great message that we need to hear. Um, but I also look at it and go, I think there's times when we look at the people that are on our team and we see the weak links and we start judging them that way rather than seeing them as an opportunity uh, to make a difference and, and invest in their lives. So, you know, we all have A players. We all have C players on our team. Some of us have D and F players, unfortunately. 
uh, those are opportunities to enrich their lives, to teach them, train them, encourage them, help them find their way. <laughs> well, you know what? This is a great conversation because I would guess that most of us have never really gotten to walk around a junkyard. And so this book is called Salvage by Roy Goble, and he uses experiences from his life growing up with a family-owned junkyard um, to get out leadership lessons. And we're just kind of touching the tip of the iceberg here to just intrigue people that they may want to um, get a copy of this book for themselves. And a couple of lucky people could, lucky, not really lucky. lucky. It's blessed, whatever you want. You know, we can you can call into our listener line and Roy has agreed to send out a couple copies of this book. So 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. Give us a call. Make sure you do it right away. And we would love to get your information so that you can get a copy of this book. But if you're not one of the ones that calls in, obviously this is a book that you can pick up. And Roy has a website. Junkyardwisdom.com. Junkyardwisdom.com. Pick up the phone. Give us a call. Pick up the phone. Give us a call. <laughs> I love that. 866-713-9675. But all this is made possible because of a friend of our work for him, Mark Roberts from the Max Dupree Center for Leadership in Southern California. Mark Roberts, tell us, tell people, tell our listeners why they should be engaging with Dupree.org, Dupree.org. Well, what we're really trying to help folks do is make the, the integration between their faith and their work actually to really help them see that discipleship is about every single part of life. Uh, it's about work. It's about family. <laughs> it's about our finances. It's about politics, how we live among our neighbors, etc. But we really focus on the workplace because that's often been kind of overlooked a lot of times in, in our churches and in our Christian experience. Um, and we, we produce resources to help people. One of them is the Life for Leaders uh, Daily Devotion. We send out uh, an email every morning to now over 7,500 people um, to next scripture, to practical questions of how I live, but uh, usually connecting it to work and some of the challenges we face. And our, our goal is just really to help people get in a, in a deep and an everyday way that God cares about everything in their life and that they can live all their life for God, including their work. So we, we love to provide things like that, like the Life for Leaders devotions. Mm. And it's a fantastic resource. I encourage you to check out the Max Dupree Center for Leadership. doesn't matter where you are in the country. You could take advantage of what they're offering. Dupree, D-E-P-R-E-E dot O-R-G, Dupree dot O-R-G. Now we're going back to Roy Goble, who wrote this book, Salvage. You can check him out online, junkyardwisdom.com, junkyardwisdom.com. Roy, right before the break, we're talking about your assault on Jim Collins' greatest concept in Good to Great called Getting the Right People on the Bus. But you're saying that there's a danger in always focusing on getting the right people on the bus. What was the junkyard story behind all of this? And then tell me, was Jesus worried about getting the right people on the bus? So the junkyard story is more of, uh, of how we would practice our business. Uh, we had to buy cars and the cars would come in and we would value them more for the parts than the whole. Most of them weren't running or they weren't registered anymore. Or they'd been in an accident, whatever. So we would quickly evaluate them and say, okay, the fender's worth this, the engine's worth that, the transmission's worth that, figure out what we needed to pay for it to make a profit. Um, the problem with that method is you do it so often and so quickly that you actually begin to look at people the same way. So you start to look at people and go, okay, how do I value this person? And you begin to value them more for the pieces than the whole. 
Um, so you say, hey, this person is good at this particular skill, um, but they're terrible at this. Um, and that actually begins to create this sense of judgment that we have towards our coworkers, our colleagues. And I think we want to value people for the whole instead. So that's, that's the junkyard lesson that I learned, um, or had to unlearn, perhaps. And then you asked about Jesus getting the right people on the bus. Well, look, I'm not going to second-guess uh, Christ, but I do look <laughs> at his 12 disciples and have to laugh. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, you've got James and John asking for a wildly inappropriate promotion and even bringing their mother to work. Uh, Matthew's a tax collector. <laughs> Peter denied his CEO three times publicly. You know, Simon was an anti-government plotter, uh, and we haven't even gotten to Judas. I mean, these guys were, wow. were, were all messed up, and yet Jesus came in and found the grace and the opportunity to redeem who they were and make them whole again. Those are some great pictures, you know, because we, we oftentimes, we we know these stories that we look at and we read in the scripture and we forget to really apply them as they would have been in that time. And you made some great um, parallel an analogies there. Now, for those people that are listening to the show today, I've never had the privilege of walking through a junkyard, through a salvage yard, a car salvage yard. Uh, it, it is something you need to do. But, but Roy, here's here's a question for you. This has nothing to do with the conversation of faith and work. But you know, so you've got you got 150 acres of junk cars, okay, and you got some parts pulled. At what point in time do you look at that car and go, nobody's going to ask me for a part from that car anymore. I'm going to just crush it and get the recycle bin money out yeah. of it. Yeah, great question. Well, I think the dream would be 150 acres. Most of the junkyards I've been to are more like 5 to 10. So there's always a, a, a premium to have space. Um, so you, you turn those over pretty fast. You look at the parts, you look at what's been stripped, and you say, all right, there may be a couple more parts here that have value, so we'll take them off. And then they go to the crusher. Okay. All right. I'm just, just curious. <laughs> I would have loved to work at a junkyard growing up. All right. So in chapter 15, and I just want to also mention, in this book, Salvaged, there's a story, there's a lesson, and then there's a scriptural, the Jesus side of this whole conversation, which I love that you tied all that in in the book, mm -hmm. Salvaged. Again, we'd love to give you a copy of this book. We're going to give away a couple of copies on the show today, 866-713-9675, the I Work For Him listener line, 866-713-WORK. The book is Salvaged. You can find it online, junkyardwisdom.com. Chapter 15 Again, we go back to that good to great example, but you got a problem with focusing on good to great when good can be good enough. Explain. Yeah, well, there is a whole culture, a whole industry built around moving from good to great. And Jim Collins does write great business books. I'm not slamming this concept at all. But if all of us are great, then great has to be completely redefined. So there's... a plenty of room for competency. You don't have to be a great guy to come and pick up the garbage at my house, but I want somebody competent. Uh, and, and you don't have to be uh, great at, as a waitress or a cook or whatever. Sometimes you just need competency. Now, there's certainly instances where we want great. Uh, if I ever need a cardiologist, I hope they're great. But there's this whole industry that makes us feel bad because we're not great. And I, I'm trying to push the pendulum back a little bit and say, look, let's just be very happy with being competent sometimes. We don't have to be great in everything or even anything. 
but let's be competent. Mark Roberts, you run a, an organization called the Max DeVries Center for Leadership. Is that a concept you've ever taught? That you know, can it can be good it, enough? It, it, it's not exactly that, but we talk about things that absolutely fit with that. So, for example, just in this last week, there's an article in the New York Times on basically how millennials are working themselves to death and how it's become this thing to hustle to the point that you're hardly sleeping. And uh, it, it's, it's a major problem in, you know, not, not everywhere in the country, but certainly in places like New York, San Francisco, those sorts of places. And the, the whole idea is you've got to just do more and do better and greater and bigger and more and greater. And, and, and people are driving themselves, you know, I, I think into an early grave. They're young so they can sustain it. You know, one of the things we talk about with people is what it is to have a healthy work life, to have a healthy life. And that often, in fact, almost always that involves accepting less than it could have been. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, when I write my, my devotions, a lot of times I'll think, you know, if I had several more hours, I could make this better. But I really don't have several more hours if I'm going to have the kind of life I want to live. And so I think, I think what Roy's talking about here is, is really important because we can be driven almost by an idol of greatness, by an idol of endless growth. Let's make it personal. Let's not pontificate. Let's make it personal. Were you ever driven, Mark Roberts or Roy Goble, either one of you, jump in there. Were you ever driven to the point where you were in pursuit of greatness, but you didn't even reach competence because you were in such a pursuit of it? Well, what I would say is that sometimes my uh, perfectionism about things, needing to get it perfect, can mean that maybe I'll get that thing perfect, but many other things in my life get out of whack. Yeah. So in other words, if I, if I work way more than I ought to work, maybe my work will flourish, but my marriage, my relationship, my children, my friends, my devotional life, my rest, my play, all of that will be going downhill. So uh, I, I certainly struggle with that sort of thing. Mm. And I bet you our listeners right now, they're <laughs> if they're feeling like me, they're saying, oh, I can really relate to that because if I put too much effort into one thing, um, and for a lot of us, it's the wrong thing. You know, it's like, okay, we want to make sure that we're, um, you know, things that maybe go back to this, the subject of popularity or something like that, where you're focusing too much on doing something really well that other things suffer. So these are great lessons they that we can lessons. all be learning from. Well, and we could jump to chapter 16 and talk about the fact that management techniques can be addictive, but we're running out of time. So I want to jump, <laughs> I want to jump to chapter 17, Roy, where you talk about that babies don't earn paychecks. Managing can be fun most of the time, but firing is never fun. Tell us the story behind this chapter of babies don't earn paychecks. Uh, this is one of my funnest stories. Was, I was a young man in my 20s, and I was managing a, a maintenance crew that was overseeing all of our buildings. It was about nine guys, and they, were, they, they just broke out into this sort of little mini-drama where they had, I don't even remember what the argument was, but they had an argument. They all began choosing sides. And at first, I ignored it. I figured, you know what? They're grown-ups, and actually, they were all older than I was. And uh, I, I just kind of let it go. Um, and then it got worse, and I continued to ignore it, um, thinking hopefully they'll resolve it. But then it got to the point where it was actually impacting job performance. So I had to jump in, and uh, it was too late, actually, to jump in. But 
I had to gather them all together and say, look, the worst part of my job, or the second worst part of my job is firing people. I hate letting people go. But the worst part of my job is changing your diapers. Now grow up and get over it and move on. Junkyard, no, you find it on, online, junkyardwisdom.com. But his book is Salvaged, Lesson, Leadership Lessons Pulled from the Junkyard. Salvaged is the name of the book. Junkyardwisdom.com is the website, junkyardwisdom.com. And when all this brought to you courtesy of Mark Roberts from the Max Dupree Center for Leadership, you can check it online, dupree.org, dupree.org. Mark, how is the best way? What, what are, like, what's the biggest, what, are, what do people come to you most for at the Dupree Center, at the Max Dupree Center for Leadership? Well, mostly they come to us for the thing we mostly want to do, and that is really help people to see how, how Scripture uh, connects to their daily life and especially their work. And that, you know, so we'll focus on different topics, different things, but it's, it's, it's a version of what Roy's doing. That's part of why we're excited about his book. It's not yeah. just his stories and insights, although those are fun and worthwhile, but it's connecting it up to Scripture and seeing how, how, how God's Word teaches us, helps us in the nitty-gritty of everything we do, including our daily work. That's, and that's why people get connected to us. Amen. So, Roy, you were saying right before the break that you um, had a conflict happening and getting larger in your um, organization, and you told the guys the second worst thing you have to do in your job is to fire people, but the first, the worst thing to do is to change people's diapers. Tell us how the rest of that went down. Well, actually, these guys all... Um, kind of looked at their shoes and laughed and uh, chuckled and kind of nodded their heads and realized that um, they had been acting like babies. Um, now, these are guys that had known me for quite a long time. Uh, they trusted me. They had worked with me. And it, frankly, it helps that I was the one signing their paycheck. But they, they, were, um, they were more than willing to open up to it and admit they'd been acting silly. And it, it fixed the problem, much to my surprise. But wasn't the biggest issue there is that you kept avoiding the conflict, which allowed the conflict to escalate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I should have jumped in on it right away when I saw it happening. But it, it, So what's the lesson there? Of, well, give us an example of Jesus addressing this same kind of an issue with he and the disciples. Yeah, James and John come to him and say, hey, do whatever we want. And, and he looks at him and goes, okay, what do you want? And they said, we want to sit at your left and your right. And he said, well, that's not for me to decide. Um, somehow the other disciples heard about this conversation. You can just sort of see the gossip going on behind Jesus' back. And it turned into dysfunction. Uh, they were upset with James and John. Uh, Jesus addresses it by immediately jumping in and saying, look, if you want to be at the right or the left, it's about serving others. It's not about being. It's not about being great. It's not about being the best. It's about being a servant to others. And he addresses it immediately and eliminates the dysfunction that was growing on his team. And that's a powerful lesson we all need to learn. Conflict avoided doesn't ever eliminate a conflict. Period. Right. End of story. <laughs> it's just. So it's true. just. A, it is. It is so so true. All right. I, I want to make sure we leave time for this powerful story that you highlight in chapter 31. Uh, you know, tell us about the day on the mountain pass in New Mexico with you and your family. 
we were traveling, and I was probably about 10 years old. My older brother was in his mid-20s with his wife. My mom and dad were in the front seat, and we were going down a mountain road, come around a corner, and there is a car dangling off the edge of a cliff. It was like a Hollywood scene. And um, my dad did not hesitate. He pulled up. He jumped out of the car. Uh, my brother jumped out. I jumped out. Um, and we went over there, and it was a woman trying to commit suicide. Um, but she was at the wheel crying and um, really just, <laughs> she was uh, em- emotionally a wreck, as you, uh, as you might imagine. My brother and I were doing what we could by putting rocks behind the tires so it wouldn't roll forward. But my dad actually opened the door and slowly, gently talking to her, um, stepped in, uh, into the car, eventually sat next to her with his foot on the brake, he eventually got it into park, eventually turned the engine off. And it was a moment where I saw my dad live out his life motto, which is octa non verba, it's Latin for action, not words, or deeds, not words. And I love that story of him being ready to risk his own life for somebody he'd never even met. He just knew it was the right thing to do. That's powerful. How did he live that out on a daily basis then in the junkyard? Well, it was primarily by uh, constantly and continually, well, first of all, he was the hardest worker I ever met, but also he loved people. Um, He was harsh on people sometimes, as the junkyard culture could bring that out in a person, but um, everybody knew that he actually did care for them. And there was this sense of, look, I may not say I love you, but through my deeds, I will show that I do. That's beautiful. It is. It's great. And Jesus tied that in a lot, too. Talk, talk about the Jesus perspective that you offer in that chapter. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> uh, Jesus constantly acted, right? I mean, we, we, have, we have the written word of Scripture. So we think of Jesus constantly talking. But in reality, Jesus was constantly acting. He was continually bringing out his love for others through the actions, whether he was healing others, whether he was pointing people to his father, whether he was clearing a temple, he was constantly acting. And I think we lose sight of that um, when we just read the words of Jesus. Mark Roberts, you're the one that suggested we bring on Roy Goble that I read his book, Salvage Leadership Lessons Pulled for the Junkyard, that people can find out about online, junkyardwisdom.com. Mark Roberts, what question, what's the one thing that you, as you read this book, you want to make sure that Roy brought out in the conversation today? Well, it, it, it really was in the last couple of comments, and you see it throughout. I mean, Roy is a, he's a businessman. He's a, a leader of people. He's, you know, he makes deals. He grows things. He's done all that. But underneath all that, Roy believes that leadership is about relationships. It's about people. And he shows, you know, as he just said, how, how Jesus, you know, said a lot of stuff, but he, he's serving people, caring for people. And, and I think one of the strongest themes throughout that book is how being a, a faithful and godly leader is about caring for people and working with people. And sometimes it's saying hard things to people. And sometimes it's, it's uh, caring sacrificially for people. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I think his book makes that point in a day when it's easy to focus on other things, you know, uh, growing the greatness of my company. Well, that may or may not be something that's going to happen, but in terms of 
caring for the people God's entrusted to me in in my work. Uh, that's that's a, a no brainer. That's an absolute sort of bottom line thing. So I I appreciate Roy's consistent lifting up of the importance of relationships in the workplace and in leadership. Well, you know, and let's even talk about that in the home because I would say for a lot of people. Um, one of the things I'm taking away from this conversation is the fact of the impression that Roy's parents made on him and how mm. that has made him into the leader he is today. And we all know that kids are watching um, and, mm. and they're watching other people, not just our, us as mom and dad, but they may be watching you as a leader of influence in their lives. And, and they're, what are they taking away? What lessons are they learning? Let's have these conversations. Well, and I think that that's probably the most powerful part of the book that you don't say, but you demonstrate mm-hmm. it, is that, Roy, you grew up in an environment where you were discipled and mentored every day yeah. because you had an old person, somebody who was chronologically superior to you, <laughs> investing in your life, as my friends right. from the Initiative Network say out mm-hmm. of Dallas, Texas, chronologically yep. superior. That is something we're missing in today's mm-hmm. world. Where, where we have old people investing in young people. R- Roy and Mark, how, how do we solve that problem? Because it's something that the church doesn't know how to solve. The Four Walls Church doesn't know how to solve. I mean, we've, we've got a serious in, uh, mentoring discipleship deficit in this country. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's actually one of the things we're, we're developing. Uh, in part of our work at the Debris Center, we work with millennial entrepreneurs, and we are working on... Uh, uh, it, not only providing mentors, but trying to create a structure that goes just beyond what we can supply so that uh, folk who are just getting going in their professional lives can get some good mentoring. Uh, that's just a small part of it, but we're trying to help and provide also resources for mentors or those who want to be mentors so they can feel some confidence in what they're doing. Uh, there's a lot to be done, but you're, you're right. That's so important. Roy, you got 30 seconds to add on to that. I would say that we in this third, third generation, as Mark describes it, needs to step up and actually reach out to younger people and say, mm-hmm. I want to mentor you rather than waiting for them to come to us. Yeah. It's just a matter of, it's a relationship. And so many of us have access to our kids' friends and so many have access to neighborhood. You know, we live in neighborhoods where young people are moving in and they're buying houses and they don't have access to parents or grandparents who stayed married. They don't have access to parents or grandparents that also love Jesus. They desperately need us. It's so important. But I, I, I do want to thank you, Roy Goebel, for writing his book, Salvaged Leadership Lessons Pulled from the Junkyard, found online at junkyardwisdom.com. Thank you, Roy Goebel. You're very welcome. It's great to be here. Thanks to um, Mark for suggesting I join your show. And thank you, Mark Roberts from the Max Dupree Center for Leadership, Dupree.org. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's definitely our mission field, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.